You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Studio 89.7. This talk program focuses on newsmakers, celebrities, and authors. And now, here's your host, Philadelphia radio veteran, Paul Perello. It's that time of year, needless to say, it's time for family, friends, holiday traditions. And my next guest on the program, talk about taking a holiday tradition and really making it work for you. I have to say, many of us have been out Christmas shopping, and you may have noticed this um, little old display in a Hallmark store, perhaps, maybe even Target, the elf on the shelf. This may not be the first year that you've seen the elf on the shelf, but I have to tell you, it was an eye-opening experience for me because, I've, ladies, I've seen the elf on the shelf many, many, many times. And then a few months ago, I got this box in the mail, and I was completely surprised when I opened the box. I would have to say it was back in October, early October, opened up the box, and there was my own little elf who I have not named yet because I waited for this opportunity oh, to. Yeah. I, I know I have to name <laughs> to the elf. Christmas magic. Exactly yes. right. Yes. But I want to welcome uh, Carol Abersole and Shandabel yeah. uh, for being with us here on the program. This whole phenomenon that is sweeping the nation, the elf on the shelf, was your baby, if you will. So, Carol, give me an idea how this whole thing came together. Well, you know. Um, I had an elf when I was a child, and of course when I got married, he came with me, and so my children grew up with my elf, and I remember distinctly them talking to to the elf and being so excited about it. It would come every day, I mean every year on Thanksgiving, and they just couldn't get enough of it. And then as they became adults, they each told me privately how much the elf story had meant to them. So uh, one day Shanda looked up at my kitchen shelf and there was my elf and she said mom we should write a book and tell everybody about our elf tradition and i said oh shanda i don't think any okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it was something personal i mean this is something that's personal to you and your family shanda when you decided to go forward then with this project you were wondering even how your family would embrace the whole idea and concept of this elf well for us i knew how much the tradition would mean to children because i lived it of course we had to get permission from santa claus so uh, that was our, our first hurdle but um for us this was a project of passion and we did have to self-publish this book we couldn't get anybody to publish it ourselves so There was a lot of risk on our parts. Um, My husband was a school teacher. I was a stay-at-home mom. My dad owned a small fabrication firm. So there there was no bankrolling Mm -hmm. of this project, if you will. And so I had to really, you know, speak with my husband and say, look, can can we do this on credit cards? Can we, you know, embark on this project? And and then I had a son at that point. And how was he going to embrace this little, you know, friend from the North Pole? And my kids, they get it. They get that mommy works for Santa Claus. (laughs) What's so remarkable here is that if there are people out there that say, I can't do that, or this is impossible, or I don't know which way to turn, I am so inspired by your story because you have proven that 
you can take something as personal as a Christmas ornament. And we've all grown up with these elves. Mm -hmm. I, and I remember the elf that comes with your book and in this kit. I grew up, he may have been wearing green, but I grew up with that elf at some point. Yeah, he is very similar. To that point, the elf that talks to Santa you know, is a tradition. So mm. you want people to have that feeling of reminiscing and growing up with and remembering these elves, because that's what makes tradition special, that yeah. it's been around for a long time. But I think getting back to your question about what do you say to people who have been refused and said they don't know what to do, um, you have to roll up your sleeves, you have to be willing to sacrifice, and you have to have an unshakable belief in what you're doing. And uh, decide on the things that are non-negotiable and stay true to that. Sometimes things need to be tweaked a little bit or whatever, and, and some expert can give you a little bit of advice. But if you stay true to yourself and true to you know what uh, the Lord has given you to do, then... Um, you can make it happen. The book has been out there for a number of years now. They've taken your little old elf on the shelf and have given the elf and Santa and everybody at the North Pole their own television special on CBS. <laughs> so, I mean, how many times did you pinch yourself after? Because this really is, as, as Carol mentioned, was a labor of love because in reading the backstory, you just don't walk into any television network and say, hey, I have this great idea for a television show, and they buy it. I mean, you really had to knock on doors and talk to people and make presentations before CBS finally said, okay, we'll go with it. That's right. You're right. It's a lot like what we had to do to publish the book. We weren't finding any partners in Hollywood, per se, that we felt like could represent the Elf on the Shelf property and the folklore that had become Elf on the Shelf properly and in a way that we felt would be true to the way each family experiences their own elf. Right. So it left us with very few choices. And so once again, it was... I guess we're just going to have to do this ourselves. And so we had a friend of ours from high school who owned an animation company, Chad Eikoff and his business partner, Tara Birchall, in Atlanta, where we're from, and got in touch with them. They got in touch with us. We brought on two other partners, uh, Ken Waddell and Catherine Scorsese. Wait a minute. Catherine Scorsese. <laughs> Any relation to Marty? Daughter. Daughter, Daughter of, yeah. Daughter of Marty. But talented in our own right yeah. and has been in film and clearly been around film her whole life. We were able to form our own production company and then we just took another leap of faith, a step of faith that we could, the seven of us, write, direct, come up with the story, write songs. Write the music, everything. Yeah, with yeah. the hope that we at least would put this out on DVD for everyone who loved their elf mm -hmm. and just had this great hope that someone at some network would believe in it and put it on TV as well for the rest of the world to enjoy. When it finally hits the air on CBS, were you able to see it when it actually made the network debut? You know, it was one of the most glorious Thanksgivings. Um, all of us were together at my son's apartment in New York City, and we had been there on media tour, and everybody who was still in Atlanta flew up and we were all together and we got to watch it all together and to be perfectly honest I could not even sleep that night I didn't sleep a wink afterwards I was just so keyed up and so excited
my guest on the program, Carol Abersoll and Shanda Bell. And Shanda, for, for you, I mean, it starts out as a book, and then you're turning it over to a team of professionals then that are going to make this into a half-hour television program. Once you turn it over to a network, you, you've watched this whole thing mature, but now it's out there on its own. I think there's certainly some fear in it in having your baby, if you will, I think yeah. that's a great example, out there for everyone to judge. And so we worked so hard on this. My twin sister, Krista, who also owns the company with mom and I, has worked so hard on this. You know, we all put this out there, what we love and believe in and believe is true to our product. And so you think to yourself, please let the whole world love this the way that we do and let this be what we hope it will be another aspect of family tradition that families are sitting in watching this all together and enjoying it but i have to i have to throw props to cbs because they have been so kind and gracious and really for a bunch of nobodies right. which is what we were they left our special untouched. Even the editing for commercial time, they, they left that up to us, which is unheard of. And they have just been really kind and gracious and supportive. The television show gives us a little bit of the backstory of how the elf arrives at a house. You know, this elf is there on a mission, right? And in the <laughs> in the television show, Santa sends this one elf to the, the McTuttle, the McTuttle family. family. The, the 10-year-old, whose name is... Taylor. Taylor. Which is also my son's name. Yes. <laughs> okay. And the two girls... They happen to be twins. Happen to be. And I just don't know so where you, that came yeah, from. And they just so happen to look like you and your sister. Just and they little. happen to be named after my grandchildren. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know where that family. Came from. Yeah, nice touch, family nice touch. But so this elf is sent to the McTuttle home because uh, Taylor is at that age where some of that magic uh, starts to wane in a little bit, and mm -hmm. the elf has to go back and report to Santa, and he really has a job on his hands because he's got to get Taylor to, to sort of turn around. Santa is encouraging, as of course Santa can, you know, can only be. It is really a heartwarming story and how, regardless of how old you are, how jaded you may be in today's world, this really gets to your heartstring and it really makes you pause for a moment and say, you know what, this is what family, this is what tradition, this is what Christmas is all about. Thank you so yes, much. That's a huge you. compliment I'll because say. when we set out on this journey, that was one of the things that our little group of seven really felt strongly about, that this would be old school, family tradition, heartwarming, heartfelt. We felt we feel like a lot of things that they call Christmas specials now mm -hmm. are just newfangled and fast and you know, you feel like you've watched it and just wasted 30 minutes Lots of your of special life. special effects and everything. We wanted, um, I like to call it a 19th century story with a 21st century twist. It yeah. still has that heartwarming um, kind of feel to it. There's a, there's a moral that Christmas is about forgiveness and love. And, um, and I love to see the journey that both Chippy and Taylor make, because Chippy's pretty full of himself. I can do mm -hmm. this, Santa, you know. Yeah. And he learns his valuable lesson, and Taylor also learns valuable lessons. So I, I think we accomplished a lot in that. Chippy is the elf that Santa sends mm -hmm. to uh, the McTuttle home. The DVD which is now out in stores, as well as the television special, uh, stands on its own. I mean, the story stands on its own, and the book stands on its own. So anybody that thinks what they're going to see on the DVD is just a, a version of the book on DVD, there are two different 
products all together from your company? They really are two different products. I think that's a great way of explaining it to people. The Elf on the Shelf, the book set that comes with their very own Elf from the North Pole, really is a book about how you bring this tradition into your own home. You give your Elf a name, the Elf interacts with your family, it's your personal experience with the Elf. An Elf story, the Elf on the Shelf brought to life on the small screen and on DVD and Blu-ray, is our attempt to follow the book and an experience that it outlines, but also to follow this one particular elf's story in this one particular family. So even things like the naming song that are in the special, that was an attempt to make sure that people understood we don't want every elf in America to be chippy. That's the McTuttle family elf. Sure, right. We want the elf to be your elf and it to participate in your family as your own tradition. Mm-hmm. So you're right. The, the book, while similar and close enough, is its own entity. And the two, I think, complement each other nicely. Sure. There's some, I guess, some elf etiquette that you have to <laughs> Santa Claus has a lot of roles yeah he yeah. does you know yeah, if, yeah. if you think all he does is sit around in that suit all day he, he, that's right you know, he's a hard working man he really is a hard working man when your elf arrives at home you see the elf on the bookcase or on the kitchen cabinet uh, you know tucked away on the cupboard there or if you see it on the entertainment center you know you can't touch the elf because that would take away his magical power right so there is some elf etiquette that parents and children alike need to be concerned with. You know, Christmas magic is very fragile, and the elves are not, the scout elves are not very large. Mm -hmm. So you want to be really careful about them and for them. It's interesting to me that they don't get their Christmas magic until they're adopted into a family. So in essence, if you see them in a store, like was referred to in the in the special as Bob's Books and Things, those elves have not been adopted yet. And so their magic has not been enacted. They're still waiting to be adopted into a family and given a name. So that's how we we portray it. And if people are upset that they see the elf in a store or something, we explain to them that those elves are just waiting to be adopted. And that's where the magic happens. And so we always recommend, once again, as a family unifying thing, that the whole family sit down and read the book and decide on a name because that's going to be a lifelong name for their elf. I mm-hmm. like my elf still comes. His name is Fisby. He does get a shout out in the book. And, um, you know, it's just important that you think through what you want to name this little friend of yours. I know it's probably not proper to ask how old an elf is, just like I would never ask a woman how old she is. You probably don't want to ask an elf, like I couldn't ask Fisbee how old he is, right? Um, I do know that Fisbee is older than 50. Okay. That's as much as I've gotten out I of him. I think elves are probably hundreds of years old. I think yeah. they probably yeah. are. Mm-hmm. I think that Christmas magic, you know, yeah. and they just They look so good for their family. age. Don't though, they? Right? No really, wrinkles or lines. It's all that North amazing. Pole weather. That's what it, it is, is, you know? Yes. <laughs> I agree. Can I ask the, uh, the question that's probably on everybody's minds now? I mean, so has it been worth it? Has this turned out to be everything you expected it to be? Well, it's turned out to be that and more. Um, aside from we've um, we've sold almost two million, but some of the stories that we get of people being comforted of one little girl who had selective mutism, where it, she had a choice where she would not speak, and she was in second grade, and she came into the classroom and 
for show and tell read our book to the class. That's the first time anybody in her class had ever heard her speak. When you hear stories like that, yes, it's definitely worth every bit of sacrifice and hard work that we put into it. This has also allowed you to form your own company. And, and, and while you're out here talking about the Elf on the Shelf, uh, a Christmas tradition, there are other, I guess, projects that you're involved in outside of the Christmas season? We are. We have another product called A Light in the Night, which is a precious little product submitted to to us by a mom in Ohio. And it's about a little creature that when you press his tummy, it lights up the night and it shows children there is nothing to be afraid of at night in the dark. So it also comes with a children's book that explains, you know, that there's nothing to be afraid of at night. And we've gotten wonderful stories from families that it's touched them as well. You know, kids going to the bathroom with it at night so they can see or, you know, uh, just, you know, I used to be afraid that there were snakes under my bed (laughs) and I would go get my cat. If I had only had a light in the night. I would have felt so much better. The cat probably would have felt a lot better too, right? Yes, probably. That poor animal was like, save me from the invisible snake. And the day has finally ended And the kids are fast asleep And the house is good and quiet Without one single peep and the Santa sleigh now nearing in my last report of fire. Why Christmas Eve is gearing up to be scared. Perfectly wonderfully wild. Oh no, is that a little kid out of bed? Bunch of sturdy candy cable quickly leap onto the table. Shush the dog and call it kitty as we make him not step on broken decorations. Lowered lofty expectations. Throw the kid back to his pillow. Every second counts. Get the outfits at the ready. Hold on tight and hold on steady. Not to hurry, not to not. Don't get tired, stay awake and stay inspired. To play this fire and fall apart. It's the night before Christmas. And it's not how this should go. The night before Christmas. And what do people say to me? And show. And what's in my wondering? Your first does appear. is so inspirational, not only what you've given us with the Elf on the Shelf, but your personal journey in in doing this, because 
you know, there are a lot of people that uh, might be thinking of doing something like this. Look, it's a commitment. It's an investment that you're going to have to make. But needless to say, that satisfaction that you get with the, 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 the one girl who didn't speak and then all of a sudden this book serves as the entree for her to get up in front of her classroom or the, you know, the, the kid at night who is scared of the dark, if you will, and is able to reach for this, you know, for this light. I mean, that's got to make you feel that it's all been worth it. And for other people who say, gee, I wish I can do that, you don't take what you did or do lightly. I mean, there comes, there's a tremendous amount of responsibility that comes with it. I'm sure you just didn't do it on a whim one day and got up on a Monday morning and said, all right, I'm going to cash in the 401k. We're going to do this. There's a lot of (laughs) thinking I would hope goes into that before you make that make that step. Well, I don't, I say to people a lot of times that I think ignorance is bliss. Um, you know, we had two choices. We got rejected by all the New York publishing houses. And so you're left with, okay, we can either, this is going to sit on our computer and be a good idea, or we're going to have to do something with it. And so thankfully with the advent of the internet, mm-hmm. you can find out anything you want to know as yeah. far as how, how to embark on that journey. And so for us, it wasn't overnight that we realized we were starting a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Krista probably believed in that portion of it, my sister, faster than we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew we could do this. We knew we could make it happen. But I do tell people a lot of times, to your point, when they're like, how can I do this? How you know?" And I'll tell them there is no magic formula. If there were, that's the book we would write. <laughs> it exactly. doesn't exist. It's You need to be ready to start a business, mm-hmm. and you need to be ready to take it seriously and work hard to make it happen. No one will believe in it more than you do. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that we run across in helping other entrepreneurs or people with ideas is encouraging them to grow where they are planted. And what I mean by that is they come up with something, whether it's a book or an item, and their big goal for marketing it is, and I'm going to send a copy to you know some famous person, and they're going to love it and put it on air. You know, mm-hmm. well that's not really a plan. So first start with your family and friends, and then start with the whole state where you live. Do they all know about it? Mm-hmm. And then does the whole Northeast know about it? Right. And then does all of the United States know about it? Right. And if you can do that, it makes it a little more manageable and allows your business to grow in a way that makes sense. I think it's also important to remember not to get too impatient. I mean, I was in my late 50s when we started this whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, I'd had ideas and always felt like I was going to write a book of some sort, but... it, you know, it wasn't until then, until the children were grown and married and in college and, and all that sort of thing, that this part of the journey began. So I think there's a perfect time for everything. So to not get discouraged in that waiting period is uh, sometimes very difficult, but is is good piece of advice. Shanda, for you, this, as I said, was your mom's baby, if you will. How much did it weigh on you and your sister that not only, I mean, it's one thing that when you do something and it's your project and you either fail or succeed on your merits because this is your project. Here you are sitting next to mom. This is her <laughs> idea. What type of pressure does that put on you? Because I don't want to let mom down. No, it's true. Thankfully, we're a very close family. So everything is out in the open and you know we talk about those types of things if there is pressure she certainly didn't put any pressure on me but you do feel pressure as the daughter and as one who's helping to run the business you know my parents are getting older and they are 
you know, getting to retirement age and things like that. So there is a lot of pressure to make sure that this is successful Mm -hmm. for them because, you know, they had as much on the line as we did. And if this didn't work, what else was there? So certainly there is a lot of pressure in that respect, but I'm fortunate enough to have a very close family and we all really get along well and um, are able to bounce ideas off one another and and work hard to, to see this come to fruition. But we make a good team. Yeah. Our weaknesses and our strengths are different. Mm-hmm. And so when we meld them together, I think we were able to put out things like a book or a doll or a, an animated Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. One final question. For all of those publishers that wouldn't return your phone call, never answer an email, close the door on your face when you went knocking on their door for help. A few million copies of a book is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, have they reached out to you and said, hey, when you're thinking about that next great idea, you might want to, what has been the reaction now that you've taken the world by storm with the Elf on the Shelf? I I don't know that there has been a reaction. You know, we laugh a lot and we say that somewhere at some desk in some publishing company, there's someone acting like, oh, what's Elf on the Shelf? I've never heard of that before. <laughs> and they were the ones that wrote the letter yeah, to reject right, us. Exactly. Um, but no, we've been, we've kind of been surprised. We thought we would maybe get a phone call from someone. And They're or, probably too embarrassed to, to, to reach out. <laughs> I think that probably has something to do with it. But also, um, we got rejections letters that told us kids don't like rhyming books and that you know, perhaps we should think about letting someone else write this for us. Mm. Um, But that's because it didn't fit their typical mold. We weren't famous. We had an idea that was off the cuff. It wasn't a doll and a toy. It wasn't just, you know, something they could put out there like a purse. Like, here's our purse that we're selling. You know, it required explanation and it required letting people know that, you know, this is a tradition. And I think they just didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. One driving factor for me was I wanted to be able to leave a legacy for my children, for my grandchildren, and now other grandmothers are coming to me and saying, we're going to get this started for my grandchildren, so now they will be leaving a legacy for their grandchildren. I think that's one of the most rewarding parts to Mm -hmm. me of the whole excitement that we've experienced. It's got to be fascinating to have that feel, and I could just see it in your smile, knowing that you are now part of not only your family's legacy, but of this tradition that has taken the world by storm. It's it's exciting. It's exciting to see families adopting elves all over the country, and not because that's our business, but because as a child, I lived this. And I remember what it was like talking to my elf and telling him what I wanted for Christmas. And now I see it through my own children. They're 10 and 5, and they love their elf. We talk about the elf all year round. Mm -hmm. So I get to experience this as a parent as well as, you know, what I do for a living. Mm. And so I understand when parents reach out to me exactly what they're saying, how it makes the entire season special. I want to thank both Carol and Shanda for being with us here today. Thank this you. This was a pleasure. It was delightful. It was. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Studio 89.7, a monthly program that focuses on newsmakers, celebrities, and authors. Please tune in on the second Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for another edition of Studio 89.7, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.